Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I'm doing great. And you know what? We're back. We're back. Woo, it's so exciting. I'm so happy to be back. I'm glad to be uh, here with you. I know. So here we're going to begin a new season and uh, with regular episodes. And even though we kind of took a bit of a pause, it wasn't really a pause with Frisbee Guru stuff as we did a lot of work with the live stream with EFO and with FPA Worlds. And of course, we uh, put a lot of energy into doing the commentary. So hopefully everybody got to enjoy those efforts and uh, really glad to be able to bring that to all of you out there. Yeah, definitely. Our voices were still out there and they're still out there on YouTube. So if you're curious and you missed the live stream, go check out the finals videos and you can hear the commentary on YouTube and we'd love to hear any feedback that you have so because we want to keep improving so if you give us feedback we can make our commentary even better uh, so Randy one thing I want to do before we get started with this episode is just give a shout out to Jay Moldenauer he recently became uh, one of our valued patrons and so I want to give a special thanks to Jay and to all of our patrons of course just in case you didn't hear, Jay is throwing down the gauntlet to everyone else who's not a patron and who's not donating. He said that anyone who becomes a patron within seven days of this episode, he will donate an extra $50 to Frisbee Guru. So if you're not a patron and you've been on the fence, now is the time to become a patron. Wow. Thanks, Jay. What, a, what an incredible offer. Uh, it's really uh, humbling to know that you value what we're doing and make an offer like that really is amazing. So thank you, Jay. Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, Jay. And so uh, with that, let's jump into this episode. What are we talking about today? Well, we're going to begin this season uh, with interviews with all of the FPA 2018 champs. So enjoy. So now I would like to welcome in the FPAW 2018 co-op champions with Ryan Young, Dave Schiller, and Pavel Baranek. And I'd like to have each of you guys announce your names. And so why don't we start with you, Pavel? Hey, Randy. Hey, Jake. Uh, good to be here with you. And hi to everyone listening. Hey, it's Ryan. Uh, thanks for having me on. Hi, it's Dave. And hello to all the gaming world. And thank you so much for having us on. We're very happy to have you guys on. And, and congratulations. You guys played really well. It was fun to watch. You know, I didn't get to watch it live, but I went back and watched the replay. And, and you guys shredded. So you deserved it. I did get to watch it live, and uh, it was super exciting to see the way it was building, and it kept going, and you guys were laying it down. I was like, oh, my God, these guys have put in a serious bid. And I think what's really kind of cool about your victory is that maybe you guys were considered a bit of a dark horse. You weren't a super established team, and that you guys came in there and just dominated the finals I thought was really awesome. So congratulations on that victory for sure. Yeah, thank you. thanks. Yeah, thank you, Randy. So the other kind of cool thing about your team. So, Pavel, this is your first FPA win, and this is the first win for any Czech citizen. Uh, Ryan, yes. this is your third. Yeah, I was the third. And you won two this year. And you're slated to be ranked number one. And then, Dave, 20. This is your 20th. 
Yeah, it, it depends on what's counted as majors and what's counted as, as a world. But yeah, it, it, it definitely is at least 20. So, Pavel, why don't we start with you? What's it like being the first world champ from the Czech Republic? Well, it's incredible. It's it's basically a dream becoming a reality. And it was it was just an incredible journey. You are right. Like we put a serious effort. We had an extended weekend in San Diego and I really enjoyed building it. And I felt, wow, this is a really good routine and we will definitely have a shot. But then I, I was like, wow, these teams we are going to compete against, that's really, really rough. But I still believe we can do that, especially when we practice the evening before the finals. We were already all kind of tired, you know, after the whole competition. And uh, But we said, come on, let, let's do it. Let's do a couple of run-throughs. And then we just totally nailed it. And, and you know, I, I got this feeling, oh my God, if we play like this in, what was it, 14 hours, we can make it. I was just so pumped to go to the field and do it with Ryan and Dave. And we bloody did it. So I was extremely excited. And then I was like, you know what? If we win or not, I don't care. This was just absolutely amazing. And uh, and the fact that we, in the end, won is just the cherry on the top. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, so Ryan, what was the experience like for you? It was interesting because we had the one... Uh, boot camp down in California and we like put together the routine really quickly which was a good sign I think going into Worlds I was like I'd be happy with a podium finish but what was more interesting is I was talking before Worlds started with James uh, we were talking about who is on the cusp like who deserves the win and I was like I think it's Pavel Pavel is gonna be my pick for like the, the near future I wasn't really expecting anything this year but it was incredible Going into like right before the round or like during the round, like we watched teams playing and like, man, we have a shot. I was like, I'm just going to play my game and <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> I love that. It was so cool. Like I say, I got to watch it live and build up. And we were a team that had actually went up before you guys. And I knew that we had let it kind of slip away. And so when I watched you guys, I was like, oh, my gosh, I think they're going to get it. Um, so, Dave, what was your experience like working with these two guys and, and that journey and how it all came to be? Well, it was so incredible getting to play with such great new up-and-coming players, and they're wonderful people. So we had such a good time during our, our weekend together. And I really appreciated what, what Pavel insisted that, all right, Dave, we can go out to a field with good wind, maybe the first day, but then we have to go find crappy wind. I go, find crappy wind at San Diego? Okay, we'll go to this elementary school over the hill where they play Little League Baseball. And sure enough, playing in those conditions absolutely prepared us because I don't know if you all noticed, we had a 183 wind switch in the middle of that performance and we handled it. It was really refreshing to be, you know, new up-and-coming players, but so mature, such game wisdom. It was it was a real pleasure to play with you two guys. So how long has it been since your last FPA victory? Well, it was 2010 in Seattle. That was the first, first world after I had the neuropathy on my left hand that I had to relearn to a lot of pathways and throws and body rolling. And it was like a whole new game for me, you know, and, and a lot of other things in my life I was restoring and it was it was like a even though it was a setback it was like a rebirth and a reinvigoration of my commitment to wanting to be a jammer and be a part of our lovely family that's so awesome so it was eight years so that's a pretty big gap to kind of come back and say hey i'm here and and uh don't forget about me quite yet i love that yeah but a big part 
that helped me forget about it is that we all know about the eternity that occurs when you're waiting to play and the other teams are playing and you hear their music and you hear the crowds and there's all these things going on, you know, and we're just like, we're just trying to not play too much, but stay warm. And, and all these weird things happen to us right before we play. I mean, first, I think Christy dumped a bottle of water on your head, Pavel. Oh my God. It was just there. Right before, <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, and then we both lost our nails. Yes. And then, oh, wow. and then ten minutes before, I got stung by a wasp. So, needless <laughs> to say, we were wow. taking care of, of being distracted. So, wait a second. So, Pavel, Christy was was that, is that your wife? She dumped a bottle of water on your head or something? Exactly. What was so, what happened with that? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the, that's a good point. So, so Christy, we we live. Yeah, she's my wife, and we live together in in San Francisco, right? And she arrived to Slovakia later than I did. So she arrived just the evening before the finals and she drove uh, during the fight, like on the day of the finals to Trnava. And I, I didn't see her the whole day. So I thought maybe she will not make it. And I was really focused with, uh, uh, with Dave and, and Ryan before the finals. Right. I think, I think it was actually when you Randy was playing. So the team before us and Christy came and from behind, she she just dumped the water. I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so uh, it, it was like <laughs> completely just put me out of the focus. And uh, and and like I fortunately had I didn't have the the competition T-shirt except the T-shirt. I was completely wet, so it wasn't the best setup to go, you know, on the field. But uh, but hey, maybe it was a good thing. Yeah, maybe the distraction was able to get you guys focused, but that's crazy. Right before you go on, you hadn't seen her and she dumps water on your head and then nails get lost. And then Dave, you get stung by a wasp. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And Dave was like, I was a little bit worried when, when the wasp uh, bit him and it was like, no, man, that just fired me up. I'm ready. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that just fired me up. <laughs> totally, I can totally hear you saying that, Dave. That is just your <laughs> attitude right there. So, Ryan, what was going on in your mind during kind of all these little bits of mayhem? I don't think I even noticed any of this. Like before the round, I'm just like I like the solo practice and like don't interact with anybody. So like they're probably just like running around. <laughs> I remember they used my glue to like re-glue their nails, but that's that's all I remember. That's funny. So you're just totally in your own world. You had no idea. Yeah, I could vouch for that. He was completely dialed, just smiling the whole way, just just Ryan being Ryan. And Pavel and I were going, okay, what's next? Let's play. Pavel, tell us one of the highlights from FPA Worlds for you this year. <laughs> well, it's it's pretty clear. It was it was this the the ceremony. It it was I just never, I think I've never experienced, I'm not sure if I will ever experience something with such emotions. Like, of course, like in, in our lives, we go through a lot of emotional stuff. But the, if, if you take away the personal life and emotions connected with that, this was just the most incredible thing. Like, I mean, the feeling I had in my head was all weird. And, and then like so much excitement and, and, and like the support from everyone around. That was just mind-blowing, and I will never forget the experience and, and those emotions. That's so cool, Pavel. I'm getting chills just listening to you say that. So that's awesome. So, Ryan, what was one of the highlights uh, of the time there for you? Uh, no, it was definitely this win, but it was very specific. 
So after club, it's like the last round of the day. Like we have to, I have to compile all the results because I'm like, uh, have to like print them out all the sheets so they can get reviewed so I can see what everyone's scores are. And I remember compiling the club results and seeing that we won. And I was just like immediately like, man, Pavel's going to be a world champion or Pavel's a world champion right now. It's just like, had to like kind of not give it away for whatever it was like three hours, but I was so happy for you, Pavel, when I saw that. Oh, thank you so much, Ryan. So, so wait, did Pavel, did you know that you had won before they announced it at the awards ceremony? I, I spilled the beans to him. <sighs> but know. to be honest, like, it, I, I, it was during the jamming, and, and I didn't consider it at all. I, I like, till the last moment, I, like, my mind didn't accept that. And, uh, and, and so, like, really, when, when this propagated, was only at the, at the, at the ceremony. Wow, yeah, there's there's something like if you're in the middle of the jam and somebody comes up and tells you, oh, you won, it's like, oh, yeah, that's nice. I'm going to keep jamming. But at the award ceremony, that's when it's real. Um, so what about you, Dave? What was one of the highlights for FBA Worlds for you? Well, it's definitely that moment when I found the results. You know, I, I, I definitely shed a tear or two because it, it's a pretty precious thing to have the honor of winning an FBA World title. But uh, besides us, Randy, I'm going to have to throw you in here. Watching you and Kuba play together, that just like warmed my heart up, so refreshing. Also seeing Ayala step into the limelight as an elite player. Wow. I mean, the sport's in such good hands. I'm so stoked to see these young players with so much great passion and ideas just step into the limelight and play really well under a high-pressured situation. Kudos to those guys. So, well, I want to ask, what's next for you guys? Um, are you playing together as a team, and what competitions can we expect to see you next in? Uh, Pavel, let's start with you. Well, we, we haven't really discussed that yet. Uh, well, yesterday night arrived from Europe, so I was, I, I was, you know, like when those emotions went incredibly high. Now I'm still like getting to the normal <laughs> from that. And I spent the week with my family uh, in the mountains in Slovakia. And now it's kind of back to the reality and, and figuring out what's next. So um, I don't think we really have a plan yet. Well, we got beach stylers coming up, and that that that's really what's next is um, starting to pull that together and get excited about about beach stylers. And you know we'll take next year as it comes. But uh, needless to say, I love playing with with you two guys. So you know, however it turns out, I'm sure it'll be wonderful. So Ryan, uh, what what's your plans and what you see coming up here in the future? I heard a rumor of a hat tournament in San Francisco or somewhere around there. So maybe that I'm secretly hoping for that. Yes, that's correct. Uh, I, I think I can already announce it. We're figuring out with Shrek and with the rest of the NorCal Jammers uh, hat tournaments to basically get everyone together and activate a little bit the community here because there is a lot of amazing players but we are kind of spread across the, the whole Northern California. And we would like to use the, the head tournament, basically following the example of the Berlin Berlin Four Season head and, and get everyone together. And if we can get guests like uh, Ryan, hopefully also you two guys and Dave and anyone else from around the States, that would be absolutely amazing. So yes, that's, that's most likely coming uh, in October. Awesome. So we have breaking news here on shooting the Frisbees, a hat tournament going to be in uh, the NorCal region. So that's pretty awesome. What was a highlight from the tournament that was not tournament related? And Dave, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I was amazed at how good the food was in, in Turnabout. 
Tommy found this place, the West were off gone. And I had the, I mean, a fresh Flintstone rack of ribs that was just amazing. You know, the best ribs I've ever had. And I didn't expect that. And like the last day of the, of the uh, tournament, they had this cabbage soup in the cafeteria where I just like to die for. You know? So I was very impressed with the food. Obviously, the hospitality of the entire the Prague tournament production team. Thank you so much, guys. That was incredible. The whole tech city you all built and, and the dog. The dog demonstrations were wonderful. So I guess I'm venturing back into the tournament, but that's why I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pavel? Yeah, for, for me, it was just being back in Europe and, and, and seeing everyone uh, from the European crew that I don't get to see as much as I used to. And then, of course, above all, being with, uh, with the other Czech guys, it's always like we went through so much together for the last 10, 12 years. And just always being with them, it's amazing. So, so I was so glad to be with them. And, and just as uh, they just said, like the effort that they put in is incredible. Like a lot of them didn't even jam, you know, like they were working all the time and making sure that everyone is happy. And, and I would like to, to applause to them because of that, for that. And what about you, Ryan? Paul Kenny's penthouse suite with the crazy air conditioning. I just remember any time I would walk into his hotel with someone else, they would be they would make an audible noise when the cold air would hit them because it was so refreshing and it was the only air conditioning in the city. It felt like that is hilarious. I mean, it was super hot, and so I did walk into Paul's uh, apartment. I was one of those folks that made the noise. Like, oh my god, that is very funny. Wow. Yeah, so I just want to say again, guys, congratulations. Uh, you guys played really well. It was super fun to watch, and uh, you definitely deserved it. So I'm really happy for all three of you. Uh, congratulations, and thank you very much for joining us on the call. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Jake. And above all, I want to thanks to, to Ryan and Dave for this amazing experience. Thank you, guys. Oh, you're welcome, Pavel. Congratulations, yeah. buddy. It was fun. All right, you guys, thanks again. Congrats. You guys rocked the world. And I'm so happy that you guys get to be our co-op world champions for 2018. So go out and have a great jam. So we are here on the call with the Women's Pairs winners from FPA Worlds 2018. Emma Kale and Lisa Hunricks. Welcome to the call, guys. Woohoo. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so uh, just Emma, let's go ahead and say your name and so that everyone knows your voice. Hi there, this is Emma. And Lisa, go ahead. Hi, it's Lisa Henricks. So welcome to the call. So um, first of all, congratulations, ladies. You guys were uh, amazing out there in the field. You could see the level of confidence in your play and uh, you really stood up ab above the other teams. So congratulations on your wins. How do you guys feel after, after winning FPA Worlds? Emma, you go first. Well, it definitely, you know, um, it's not a bad feeling. I mean, I think I always <laughs> go into every, any time I step on the Frisbee field, if it's ultimate or freestyle or whatever, you know, the ultimate goal isn't winning, it's having fun. And so I think that's, that's what feels the best is, you know, not necessarily the outcome of the judges or whatever, but it felt really good because we definitely went out there and had a lot of fun. So that feels good. Awesome. And how do you feel, Lisa? Great. It was a super opportunity to play again with Emma and um, put together a fun routine that we both felt really confident about. 
and felt like we could hit in competition. When did you decide to play together? Was this a fairly recent thing or was it something you guys planned a while ago? Well, I want to say back in the spring, Lisa, maybe you you maybe had another plan and then that didn't happen. And then you emailed me and... Yeah, I was going to play... Um, well, tentatively, BB and I had plans to play together because we had one um, in 2017 in Udine. And so we had hoped to defend our title again, but she had other personal plans that got in the way. She's getting ready to have her first child. So that was very exciting. And um, uh, so we just put those plans on hold and I asked Emma if she would be available and she was excited to play. So that's how our partnership started for 2018. Yes, I know that you guys uh, had played in the past and uh, you won in Karlsruhe. You also played in New York City. So did you take moves from those past years and incorporate them into this year's routine or was there everything brand new? Um, there's definitely a little bit of using some of the co-ops that we had built in the past. Um, and I think that, you know, that made it really, uh, easy too when we decided in the spring, you know, that's not so far ahead of time that we wanted to put together something for this year that it made it pretty easy. You know, we could just have, you know, a handful of practice weekends when we were able to be in the same place um, and sort of look back to past co-ops, you know, but obviously, you know, you're putting them to new music and so it's in new combinations and maybe you find different pieces within the co-ops um, that sort of grow in a different direction than they maybe existed in the past routine. Um, but it definitely made it a bit easier, I think, to be more efficient in putting together the routine, having that material to work with. At one point, Emma and I joked that uh, we wanted the announcers to uh, announce us as being from Centralia, Washington, because we didn't have any of our practices in Seattle or Portland. We always met halfway in between and usually at a really early time in the morning, would get up at six o'clock in the morning and meet Emma by eight o'clock in the morning in Centralia, which is halfway between our two cities and do our practice sessions there. And then Emma would run off to do ultimate practice because she is a complete stud athlete and can do both in one day. <laughs> and I would go back to my normal gardening routine. So how much of your routine was choreographed versus spontaneous? It was completely choreographed. Nice. Yeah, so, for me, I just feel more comfortable with a choreographed routine. I I know some people feel like they want to have some spontaneous pieces to it, but I feel more comfortable knowing exactly what's going to come next and being able to practice those things over and over so that it, when I'm in performance mode, then I feel the most comfortable. Yeah, I'd say that's my style as well. You know, I really, I like just having it so dialed down that that part of my brain, you know, doesn't have to be worried about what's coming next or what's going to happen. I just know and I can just do and I can just focus on completion and execution in the moment. You guys are out there on the field. You're in the middle of the routine. Is there a moment when you say, yes, we're on, this is working? How how are you guys feeling during the competition? Uh, honestly, I think I completely black out. <laughs> like immediately after I come off the field, after doing a routine as part of a competition, I can't really remember. <laughs> like I sort of remember what happened, but I definitely don't remember feeling anything about what happened. So I have no idea. I know that we, we actually, I don't think we executed 
that routine as well in finals as we have done in practice a couple times. You know, that we definitely had some flaws in what we wanted to do, but we, you know, but most of the execution errors were kind of at the ends of co-ops. It didn't interrupt the flow. So that I think the routine moved really well that way. And so for that reason, I think it felt pretty good when we came off the field. We did actually have one error that I think did tip us off a little bit. Um, that was my kick brush, I believe, to you. Um, oh, that's right. It ended up kind of rolling away a little bit. You had to go after it. Um, and we ended up being sort of the, the timing of everything still worked out. We just ended up finishing the routine one co-op early. We ended up sort of nixing the last co-op. Um, so it, it worked out still perfectly. We just hit the music on the second to last co-op instead. Oh, nice. It's kind of nice when you're able to make those adjustments. Uh, and a lot of that is just putting in all the time. You put in a bunch of practice. Things don't quite go right in practice, but you just push through. And Yeah, I remember that at the time, that kick brush, and it was rolling away, and it really kind of got away way further than obviously you would have liked. And I remember actually Jake and I were commenting uh with the live stream and i was thinking boy i wonder how off this is going to get because i was pretty sure you guys were fully choreographed and i loved how you guys kind of just calmed it right back down and got right back on track well done thank you so what's next for you guys will you be playing together at fpa worlds next year and what other competitions will we see you in um we haven't really talked about that yet (laughs) you know after fpa fpa worlds you have a nice party and big hugs and go your own ways. So we actually haven't reconnected about what's next in the future. I don't know if I have any other tournament plans for this year. I might go to Beach Stylers in San Diego, but that's about all I maybe have on my docket for the rest of 2018. Yeah, and I've, you know, started to think about what might be on my docket. And, you know, for me, it's definitely always a balance of freestyle with ultimate frisbee and trying to balance with my you know commitment to my club ultimate team we're really in the thick of our season now so that ends up always playing a role you know both time wise and also financially you know at all the all the balances so i'm not sure but definitely whenever i come back from any tournament and particularly a world's tournament you know you just leave with so much energy and so much excitement and it really fires you up to want to go to all the tournaments you possibly can. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see. I Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> well, Emma, one of the things that fires me up about you is that you you have this hunger. Like when you're getting ready to go get a guidus, I can just tell. And I was calling it guidus fever. And the only way to cure it is to just nail that guidus. And you did it a couple times over the, the tournament's run. And... So now I know if I ever get guidus fever, I got to go to Emma for the cure. Although I will say I left this tournament and one of my goals is to work on my other guidus. You know, I I just have the guidus on the right side. So I left wanting the, in particular, the guidus on the left side and the bad attitude on the right side. So we'll see if I can get those going in the next year or so. Was there a moment uh, that was outside of the tournament that you remember that was one of your favorites? Like, was it a favorite meal or a favorite thing that happened in the stands or just an encounter with somebody? So Emma, let's start with you. And uh, what were some of the favorite things that happened in Ternava? Well, um, I mean, as always, one of the highlights of uh, tournaments is getting to see all of your friends from all over the world um, and both, you know, see people who you haven't seen in a while, as well as meet new people. 
Um, and, you know, last year I wasn't able to be at the Worlds Tournament. I was off doing field work in Greenland for my graduate program. Um, and so I missed Worlds last year and I was really bummed, you know, just having that sort of annual opportunity to reconnect with people and to have these, you know, epic energy filled <laughs> jams. I mean, that was probably just sort of the overall highlight um, for me was, yeah, just getting to see folks again and meeting the new people who I hadn't gotten to meet yet. So, yeah, I'm so excited to see everyone again as soon as possible. And Lisa, how about you? Yeah, I have to echo that. I think always with Worlds or any tournament, the best part is reconnecting with the people that you haven't seen for a while and meeting new ones. And it was really inspiring to see a couple of new women jammers come out, Barb Endick and Elena Demacio. Demacio, I think. And uh, just watch their energy and their talent come out on the field and their um, enthusiasm and excitement for the sport kind of just inspires all the rest of us. So that was really fun for me. We did have a pretty awesome uh, women's jam at the the big jam after the tournament was over. I think we had, I don't know, a dozen or so uh, female jammers out all in one mob op. So that was pretty cool. That's not often that you get to have that. And also, Lisa, I have to echo your sentiments about Bar and Elena. I got to jam with both of them, uh, and and Bar is just hungry and she's on fire. And then Elena, we saw her playing at EFO and then at Worlds, and it seemed like she improved throughout the two weeks from when we first saw her compete at EFO all the way to the end of Worlds. So she's also really hungry and, and improving, and it's just it's great to see so much new female energy coming into the sport. It is very inspirational. Yes. Yeah, so Lisa and Emma, thank you very much for joining us on the call and uh, taking time out of your day to talk to us. And congratulations again on your win. Uh, it was really exciting to see. And so, yeah, thank you. Um, anything you guys want to say before we let you go? Just want to say thanks again to Emma for playing with me. It's always a joy. She always brings just such a great enthusiasm to everything she does. And it's just such a great pleasure for me to partner with her. Yeah, thanks, Lisa. It's always so fun to play with you as well. Um, you know, we got to tell Centralia one of these days about what we do for them. <laughs> Somebody needs to draft a press release. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thanks to Jake and Randy for chatting with us today. Uh, well, you're very welcome. And again, congratulations. You guys really rocked it. So we'd like to welcome to the call the winners for FPA Worlds 2018. Uh, the Mixed Pairs winners, Matt Gauthier and Lisa Hunricks. Welcome to the call, guys. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super happy to have you guys, and thank you very much for taking the time out of your day. So um, I just want to start off by saying congratulations on your win. You guys played great. One thing that helps you stand out from the competition is just the, the intricacy and the speed of your co-ops. You pack a lot of content in. Uh, and yet you still manage to get some really cool dance moments and uh, AI moments that are just really fun to watch. So uh, with that, um, how do you guys feel now that you're back on the winning track? Feels good, I guess. Uh, it's <laughs> nice. It's always nice to win. Yeah, it feels, it feels great. You know, it was definitely, I think, uh, a hard year for us because we were both struggling with injuries. And so I think it was good for us mentally to put our expectations in check a little bit. So, you know, we just want, wanted to do well and play well in the tournament without like a serious goal in mind of winning or, you know, I think we were hoping to make the podium. Yeah. Given, given the injuries of the year, I think it felt really good um, being able to actually take the podium and actually win the title this year it meant a lot. 
You guys as a team, I'm just looking at the uh, FPA all-time winner. So you guys as a team have won one, two, three, four, five, six, and now seven uh, mixed pairs titles together. So first of all, that's huge. Congratulations. And Thank you. Uh, what do you think it is about you two as a team that really separates you from everyone else? I think uh, we have a lot of time to practice. I think that helps. We often, especially the last few years, have spent time building our routine in small increments instead of trying to build it all at once or all in one day or all in two days. And I think it gives you an opportunity to really kind of sink your teeth into the, like you said, the intricacies of the music and, and some of the opportunities that are available and then take advantage of them when you have more time to think about what you want to put together. Yeah, that said too, I think time is definitely one element. Another is that you know, we have we have our a life partnership as well as as a frisbee partnership, and um, a few people when we came off the field gave us really high compliment by saying that they could really see how we work together as a team. You know, and um, that just for me that meant a lot because um, it's true that you know if you're in some ways it makes it more of a challenge to be life partners and frisbee partners because it's easier to lash out at the person that's closest to you. Um, but in other ways, it really helps solidify your, re your relationship on the field. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can echo that challenging part as well as the, uh, as the advantage part, because Lori and I have worked on routines together and at times we get into some, uh, heated discussions, I would say, but then at the same time, you know, we can work through it and, uh, be on the same page, I guess. So I know that helps a lot. So I also wanted to echo uh, Jake's observation. You guys also have said this just about the intricacies of your co-ops and how tight they are. And I've noticed that that's been sort of a pattern with you guys for a while. So was there a lot of new content with this routine or was there little pieces that were taken from the past? Tell me a little bit about how that process worked for you guys with this particular routine. There was definitely new stuff and there was definitely some borrowed stuff. Uh, there was a couple parts. So some of the some of the stuff, some of our exchanges that are really tight and close, are all often related to one or two co-ops that we've had over the years. We'll take that the you know an old co-op and then sort of recycle it and then try and add or change it, depending on what the music's doing or um, sometimes our skill level has changed or maybe injury level is different. This year, there was a lot of stuff where we had to build things that worked within the confines of how our bodies were moving. We also did uh, this year, we looked back at years previous. Uh, we looked at several routines uh, dating back all the way to, I think, 2006 and picked out some things that we really liked. And we actually recycled a couple things that um, we had completely forgotten about. Uh, that we thought were worthy of, of bringing back. One of the sequences that I seem to like maybe remember from the past is like some really tight under the leg spin timing stuff that happened. was wondering if that might've been some pieces from the past. Yeah, absolutely. It was. I think actually really that's pieces of the past from maybe Arthur and Lisa. <laughs> yeah, we have one co-op that is called No Problem, which was so named by D Dave Lewis because Arthur and I worked on a really intricate co-op when we played together in 2003, um, I think it was right at the end of our routine. It was so hard. I said, we'll just have to call this co-op incredibly difficult. Dave Lewis happened to be on the 
uh, in our practice that day because we were playing in uh, Santa Monica. And he said, no, you guys should call that no problem so that every time you get to it, you just think no problem. So that's always what that co-op is called. And usually some form of that shows up in the routines that Matt and I have done over the years. I love how names of co-ops just sort of develop out of things that are going on around or things that are happening in the moment. Do you guys have any other co-ops with funny names? Well, we have quite a few co-ops actually that are named after people. In this particular routine, we had a Dave Schiller co-op and we have another co-op that's called Amy. <laughs> um, and, you know, those are just things that, uh, that are either moves that we see that they've done over the years that look amazing or that they've taught us to do or, you know, that we've learned and that are signature moves for them um, that might start a, a co-op. So those were, those were two. Matt, can you think of any others? Like French dance left of pants. Yes. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second. Say that slower so we can get that. What was that? French dance left of pants. So that one was so named because when we were building the routine, I was using the voice recognition software on my phone so that my phone would type something in. And I think it was something like French dance left hands holding or something. And it came out French dance left of pants. So we just called the co-op that. The inner workings of routine creation. So, you know, something else that I remember talking to you about a long time ago, Matt, was just your routine philosophy, what you thought the ideal performance, the ideal competition routine would look like. Do you have any thoughts about that that you could share with us? Probably my opinions have changed over time. I think I used to be really focused in on difficulty. And I think now... I think the difficulty takes care of itself most of the time. So one of the things, and, and this is probably in part because uh, it's not in my wheelhouse. I try to focus almost exclusively on, with Lisa anyway, almost exclusively on presentation because that's not the thing that comes naturally to me. I think if, if I don't spend my energy trying to, trying to make, that, make that happen, I think that it, it ends up being missing from the routine. I would say that usually when we build routines together, we're always looking for the crescendo moments and the moments that make the most sense to have something exciting happen and building co-ops towards creating those moments so that it's fun for us and fun for the audience. So you guys are out there in the performance, you're shredding. Is there any moment when you think, yes, we're on we got this, or, or how does it how does it go in your minds while you're out there performing? Well, for me, I'm a little bit. I think I'm a little bit analytical when I'm out there. I'm thinking about how many drops we've had. How are the co-ops like? Are they in the right timing? Where are we in the music? Uh, almost always in competition. For some reason, you can do the routine a hundred million times outside of competition, but when you get to competition, usually something happens that you didn't anticipate or you haven't experienced, or for some reason you might be behind a little bit. Uh, so I'm often thinking about what what's coming next and how, and if we need to scoot the routine around in order to fit, um, to fit it back in, to get back on track. Also, there's the analytical part about drops and, and what have you. And like this year, for example, it was maybe two or three co-ops before the end of the routine. I, imagined that we had enough kind of credit built up in the bank that I was willing to take a risk with one of the moves that, um, that could have easily been a drop. 
And I felt like we hadn't dropped so many that that it would hurt us too bad. And I thought that the the value of the crescendo was high enough that it was worth taking the risk. That move in particular was the the little rim swing behind the back roll. In the wind conditions that were out there that day, it, leading up to the, the competition, it wasn't. It was maybe fifty percent hit because the wind wanted to take it off my back and just kind of drop it on the floor. So I just I took the risk and and went for it. And that's that's kind of what I do when I'm in routine. I'm just sort of I'm trying to balance the risk reward and think about what's going on in terms of judging and crescendos and are we on the music and that sort of thing. So wait, did you get that move in the competition? Did it work? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, he nailed it. It paid off. I love that analytical side. It's uh, pretty amazing that you can be that present in the moment during the performance to decide, okay, I'm going to go a little bit bigger here because I feel like I got the credit. Or like some people will say, oh, we've had too many drops, so I need to go bigger to make up for it, uh, which isn't always the right choice. But yeah, it's pretty cool to have that, that much presence. Um, what about you, Lisa? What was it like in the, during the routine? I really try to stay in the moment. And um, as I had said earlier, Matt and I are a really good team together. So we tend to talk quite a bit to each other. Like, okay, move on to this or go, you know, take all the time you want. Or, you know, like if one of us has an indie, somebody will, you know, might say lots of time. So I just try to stay really present and then also be really focused on where I think the wind is. And we talk about that a lot too. Um, either with hand gestures or vocally, um, just making small adjustments so that when a throw comes, it's not going to veer off in, or, you know, when a, when a set comes, it's not going to, it's going to be in the right place. So just trying to stay as present as possible, I think, and, uh, focused on the music and on Matt. Uh, so will you be defending your title again next year? Uh, I think probably not. I've been struggling with injuries for the last couple of years, and this year was definitely a struggle to get to get ready and to get through the tournament. And so I think I'm going to take a little break and see kind of where my body goes and if it kind of if it heals up or if it kind of stays the same and try and take it from there. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Right Good now, day. though, we do we are tied with Dave and Amy actually in mixed pairs for the most titles, so we're in a good place. Definitely. They've, get, they've given us an amazing competition and something to strive for over the years. So it feels good to be tied with them in this record. Well, and congratulations. That's a pretty huge accomplishment. But it's also interesting that Worlds is in Seattle next year. So it's possible. I haven't talked to Dave about this or Amy about this, but it's possible that they could team up and play together in Seattle. It would be cool to see you guys go head-to-head, but yeah, I understand the injuries, and uh, it's probably better for you to take care of yourself, Matt. Surprised to hear that, Matt, because you were shredding so hard, like even in the after jam. So maybe you were just throwing caution to the wind, say, well, it is what it is. The tournament's done. I'm just going to go shred. So I didn't notice that at all. Uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. It's You know, I can I can kind of get loose in playing, and then I, I end up paying for it afterward i'm a sort of like a like a frisbee dog you know they it's an, it's an old frisbee dog they look uh, totally normal for a few hours and then at the end of it they're kind of limping around and look kind of roughed up <laughs> i can totally relate yes frisbee dog old crusty frisbee dog like oh man i'm like 18 years old and i wake up in the morning i'm like going, oh my god what did i just do <laughs> exactly 
maybe you guys could talk about a highlight or two that was outside of the competition, uh, something you could share with us. So I'll start with you, Matt. Any highlights that you can share that come to mind? Well, there's probably a number of things. There's something that's like completely not Frisbee related. We met a random guy who was uh, Polish, who we sat down next to on the first night of the tournament. Uh, and Lisa chatted him up and we ended up kind of striking up a friendship. And then a couple of days later, he was walking by. We just happened into him again and ended up getting invited to go to Canada and stay at his house on a lake. It sounds pretty interesting. So that was kind of fun. So Lisa, you answered this question earlier, but do you have any other moments or things that you want to add? Yeah, I guess I would add that um, I really enjoyed just watching the tournament team, the people that organized the event and how seamless their communication was and how well everything went with the tournament. I volunteered a little bit of time in the tent on the early uh, part of the tournament to put packets together with Bianca and um, Martina who were there helping and just really watching how much work had gone into it. I just really enjoyed being in that moment with those guys and um, appreciated how much they had done to make it possible for all of us to be there and have such a good time. So that was, that was fun for me. Absolutely. I have to echo that too. Tournament staff was amazing and they put in so much effort and seeing so many different Frisbee events all at the same place and all run seamlessly. Uh, it was a joy. Yeah. It was a really good tournament experience overall. Definitely. One of the best, I think. So uh, I just want to say thank you guys very much for joining us on the call and uh, taking the time out of your day. And congratulations again on your win. And uh, before we let you go, is there anything you'd like to, to add? Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Congratulations, you guys. That was awesome. And 2018 FPA Mixed Pairs Champs. Thanks for joining us. So we're going to welcome to the call now our 2018 Open Pairs champions, Ryan Young and James Wiseman. Hey, guys, welcome to the call. Hello. Hey, Jake. Hey, Randy. So why don't, why don't you say your name, James, and uh, Ryan, say your name just so folks know who the voices are. Uh, this is James Wiseman. This is Ryan Young. Well, it's really awesome to have you guys join us. And so what's cool about this is that you guys are defending the title. You did it. You defended your title from last year. So I'm going to start with you, Ryan. So what does it feel like? Does it feel different from last year to this year? What what was the experience like or different? Uh, it actually felt a lot different. Like the first time is always special because it's the first time. And like it's the build up and then the release when it actually happens. And this year was it's kind of like business as usual. Like felt good about the routine. It was just execution this year. And James, what about you? What is it? How do you feel? Yeah, Jake. So it felt pretty different this year. Last year I hadn't won in a while and I hadn't won pairs before and I kind of felt like it wasn't going to happen for me. So it was a big weight off my shoulder winning last year. And this year was a little bit more fun and relaxed. But at the same time, I thought the competition was really high this year, and there were a few moments where I really didn't think we'd make it, but we did it, so I'm pretty happy about that. So um, how did you guys prepare this year, and was it any different than your preparations last year? For this year, I think we went about it about the same way. We were just a lot better at making the abuse routine this year. Like We had all the experience from the first year, and we just made a better abuse routine the second time around. So what do you mean? You beast routine? Is that what you said? Beast? Abuse. Oh, abuse. That's right. I forgot that you guys were calling it abuse routine. Right, right. 
I'm curious about why you call it that, but I'm going to take a guess first and you can tell me if I'm right or not. So Randy and I were talking in the pre-call about what we're going to ask you guys. And one of the things that uh, he mentioned was you were on a points run. You're basically both trying to be ranked number one and number two, which means, of course, winning worlds and winning some other big events. Uh, and so your strategy has been, your, basically your strategy has been, how do we win? How do we uh, play to the system to get the most points? And so I'm assuming that by abuse, you mean that's basically your, you're not really doing any abuse, but you're trying to play the system. Is that, is that accurate? And if that's true, then tell us how, how do you do that? Yeah, that's a pretty good summary. First thing we do is look at the judging system and what gets rewarded, try and maximize for that. Like in the current uh, balance, I would say uh, execution is king. So how we start is what is the hardest thing we can do that we can catch every time? So I know a lot of teams start this way as well, but it's really if we can't get it by the second try, we just that's like a good sign that we should try something else. Like by the time we're competing, it really feels routine. Like I know a lot of times we'll go dropless on the warm up, like the first like we won't even warm up individually before we'll just warm up with the routine and go dropless and then go onto the field right after that. So like that level of consistency. I think we also do a lot of sort of like A-B testing where on any given combo, we sort of ask, what's the opportunity cost of this combo? In the sense of, is there another combo that we could do that's equally or more difficult that's safer? And we just do that over and over and over again. And we never get too committed to anything. So even up to the last day, we were subbing out combos and adding different ones that we thought were just as hard and just as interesting, but a little bit easier. And I think that takes, I think that's a hard thing to do because you have to not get too committed to everything and you have to not have too big an ego about what you think you're going to do. You just have to be ready to say, you know what, like I'm not really hitting that 90% of the time. So let's figure out what's a better option. So now you've, you've done it twice with this system, this approach, what happens now? So you've gone ahead and proven that the system can be worked. During that journey of trying to work the system, do you feel like there was, like, did you lose soul to the routine? Was there any artistic stuff that you felt like you had to leave on the table? And what does this mean moving forward? So I'll take that one first. So I did still like our routine, like we did. I'd like to do more of is I like playing the slower, more mellow songs, but you just aren't rewarded very much if you're not hitting a high volume of moves. Um, but the thing that I would like to do a lot more is just let go and play the way that I want to play. I feel like especially early on when I wasn't expecting to win, I would just go big every time and I had so much fun doing it. And I felt like I actually in a lot of ways played better. But now I feel like I'm constantly having to decide how much to pull back and more often than not it's a lot yeah i wish the judging system pushed me to play a little bit harder and i don't know so that's that's the only thing i feel like i'm holding back so what does this mean moving forward so are you going to continue this approach or are you just going to let it go i mean you've kind of proven well, it twice now or do you want more for me uh i'll let ryan answer for himself but at least for me i i think I'll always have elements of the abuse routine of what I do because I just like going in really comfortable with my routine and not having to worry about what I need to do. But at the same time, I'd like to win it a little bit more my way in the sense of I want to win it in a particular way. I don't want to just win it playing the system right. I want to do all the moves that I've been dreaming of doing in the finals. Maybe that'll be this year. I, I think indoors, 
opens up a lot of opportunities to plan ahead. So I don't know. I just want that routine that I'll want to show people, which I, I love our routine. And I like to show people, but I, I still think the best playing I do is outside of routines and competition. And I want to find a way to bring the best that I can do to competition. Yeah. So Ryan, uh, what is your answer to that question? Oh uh, yeah. So going forward. So I was thinking back on it and uh, like you said, we were in the points run. Like one thing I like about the points run is now it's over. Like I like how we time boxed it where we had two years and we were just going everything in for the win. But now, like I really had to decide, like, do I go for my dream or do I go for the win in the points run? It was definitely go for the win. So now I can go back and like try and expand on what I dream about in a routine and what I think freestyle should look like when we perform. Like a lot of like over the past summer, I've been posting those Instagram videos of invent a new move every week. Like those are the things that I would want to be doing in a routine. I'd want to go and drop it four times to hit the move that no one else can do. So do you feel like you have the freedom to do that now, now that you've gotten these titles under your belt? Now you can just kind of let rip with what Ryan wants to do instead of going for the win? So I was actually talking to James a couple of days ago about playing again, like uh, next year. And he's like, what do you want to do? And I was like, we should do a round where we are forced to go for three things that are we would never go for. We're allowed to drop three times on these huge moves. And like that was the expectation. So now I get to pick three moves where I do get to hit something experimental or not necessarily like something that I dream about, but not something that will help me win. You're talking about technical skills and going for moves, but I also know that you're really drawn towards uh, the musicality of dance, and I know that you do a lot of dance. Do you see yourself bringing in more of that into what you're bringing to the table than just the technical, like bringing in some of that musicality that that you love? Uh, Definitely. Uh, Those are long-term goals. So I haven't gotten quite to the point where I can integrate it in seamlessly, like I would want it to integrate dance and the musicality and naturally. What I try and do is pick a dance move that already looks like a Frisbee move and combine those together. And then once I have enough of those to be able to flow in the same way I can already freestyle with the Frisbee, then I can build like a whole sequence. But until then, it's really hard. I like I have all these individual pieces where I can hit this move with a nice line, but then I have to like do all these other frisbee moves to get to the next move I can hit with a nice line. I wish it was all continuous or all connected. <laughs> yeah, then you have to put the music in there too to fit. Yeah, exactly. A little bit more uh, complicated and layered for sure. Yeah, it's amazing how challenging it is. I mean, I think um, maybe not everyone gives the full credit to uh, how integrated, how when routines are integrated to the music and integrated with dance and performance, how how much more difficult that is to perform and to choreograph than just technical frisbee moves. The other comment that I want to toss out there for listeners is um, the reason that their points run is boxed to two years is because the ranking system gives you points for your trailing two years of tournaments. So now that they've won for two years, they've got the max points that they can get. Ryan had the idea for the points run, I think at least five or six years ago. It was pretty early, certainly in my freestyle career. And I think Ryan's also, and I remember just thinking, one, it sounded really far away. So it was easy to agree to. It's like, oh yeah. And that year, that sounds very distant. We'll play together two times in a row. And I also just remember thinking it was more of a kind of pretend goal than a real goal. It didn't seem 
very feasible that we could just go win every tournament for two years and be one and two in the world. But never doubt Ryan because Ryan did everything he needed to do and more. And I didn't even have to really think too much about it. And here we are. So kudos to Ryan. Thanks for taking me on this journey. Thank you, James. Ryan, I'll start with you. So can you tell us what was your favorite moment from the event that wasn't competition related? I don't know if this is my favorite, but it was very memorable. So on the way, so I actually rode with Jakob in his van between from Berlin to to Turnova. Right before we get into town in Turnova, we start slowing down on the highway and not intentionally. Jakob's like, all right, there's a problem. He's like, all right, we're going to stop on the highway right there. And he's very explicit. He's like, as soon as I stop, everyone get out of the car and run across the ravine and stand on that road right there. And he totally just like pulls over and he's like, all right, everyone get out right now. And we all just sprint across this grassy ravine. I was like, man, that's like the kind of director I want at my tournament is like someone who can think in the moment and just get everyone to safety. Just I'll always remember that. So James, tell us about your memorable moment. So kind of two, one piggybacking off of Ryan is in the related, I guess. I was really excited to see how well Jakob and Pavo played. They're two of my favorite freestylers and people. I've gotten to know them really well from living in the Czech Republic. And they both work really hard for this sport and work really hard at their games. And they both just played outstanding every round. Particularly memorable for me was seeing Pavel win. You know, I've gotten to know him a lot better this year because he's been living in the U.S. and he's come over a few times. And I really like Pavel. He's such a good guy. And he's been working on this sport for so long. And I think I, I feel like I was somehow in this circle because I was partnered with Ryan in pairs and he was partnered in Ryan in co-ops. We were all sitting together when the results were being announced. No, no, no. I think it may be the first time I've been up close to someone winning their first title after working that long at it, besides obviously winning with Ryan. But I think that's different. Worlds for me is always so stressful and there's so much going on and there's not a lot of time to go jam and spend time with people. But I don't know, for some reason, it really stuck out seeing this thing that I've been waiting to happen for years now. And you know what's cool is that there's a photo of that moment and you can see Pavel's just like this euphoria, like coming out of the top of his head. It's just it's awesome. Even though it's a still photo, you can just see the electricity. It's just cool. And so what was the second one, James? Oh, the second one is just Jakob. Like Jakob Koshdel is the most most important person in the sport right now, besides or maybe equal to Ryan. But Jakob is doing so much organizing. He's running the store in Europe. He's running all these big events, and he's playing out of his mind. I think pretty much every round I saw him in, he had one or two drops and was hitting doubles and triples. And he does it just with a smile on his face and a very chill attitude and. I'm happy to have gotten to know him well, and I wish I could get to know him even better because he seems like one of the real gems of our sport. Yeah, I will uh, agree with that loudly, that he is an amazing person that we have right now in our sport, and we are super lucky to have him. Here, here. And I'm going to give a special shout out to Daniel because I think Daniel had an amazing tournament. I felt like he was an MVP of the 2018 FPA Worlds with all three of his routines being, I thought, really creative and magical and just brought a special energy to the sport um, that I think he needs to be recognized for. So, Oh, no doubt. he really I mean, he's always been one of the best players in the world. But I think 
he really brought in his competition game and really figured out how to show his game in the rounds when it mattered. And it was special to watch. Yeah, well, and I mean, he's playing really well, but his um, connection to the audience and his storytelling and the routines is just so engaging. I, I echo what you said, Randy. Like Every time he went up and played, I had to sit down and really watch. He just grabbed my attention. Yeah, so MVP, I would say he's the most visual player. That's a good one. <laughs> There you go, Daniel. MVP. Keep at it, brother. Well, hey, guys, this has been great. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. And congratulations on defending your title. I mean, that is really quite the accomplishment. I mean, just to win pairs on its own is one of the most difficult things to do in this sport. But to win it back to back, that is truly something special. So congratulations on achieving that incredible feat. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Our pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Well, it's kind of cool to hear people talk about their favorite moments uh, during the tournaments of EFO and FPA 2018. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite ones. And um, it was when I was leaving Berlin and traveling to Vienna en route to Ternava. And uh, so we got to the Berlin airport and getting on the plane. And there was a bunch of other jammers who were getting on that plane. It was, it was like 10 of us. So we all got on the plane and uh, found out that there was a shuttle that was going to be going from Vienna to Ternava, which I didn't sign up for. And there was a couple other folks who didn't sign up for it either. So we were just kind of hoping we could get in on the shuttle and uh, get a ride to Ternava. So we were just kind of crossing our fingers. We got there and we find out that the shuttle is actually full with all the other jammers who were on our flight who actually had reserved space. So they uh, said that they actually would be coming back in three hours and pick up some other jammers that were coming in, that there would be room for four of us uh, on that shuttle. And it was me, Jan Sorensen, and Dylan Roche. There we were at the airport. We had three hours to kill. And we we're like, oh, my God, we're all hungry and we're all thirsty. And we're like, we're stuck at an airport. And it's like airports cost a lot of money. And, you know, like even to get a beer was going to be like, in my mind, like 12 euros for a beer and 15 or 20 euros for a sandwich. And I was like, this is not going to be OK. So kind of walking around and all of a sudden Pablo and I find a supermarket that is right at the airport and it had supermarket pricing so looking at beers it was like you know 80 cents for a beer and we ended up just getting a bunch of bread and avocados and some chips and and it was all like 15 euros for all of that and we found this spot to hang out for three hours and we had this impromptu lunch and each had a couple beers while we were waiting for the shuttle and uh, just hanging out with those guys and just killing some time and talking frisbee and talking life and that was one of my favorite moments of the entire two-week experience so wow. how about you Jake? It's really hard for me to pick out exactly one experience that was like the best because the whole thing was so great. Like the the shuttle. So I got to ride the shuttle too. And it was just great to have a door-to-door service from the airport to our hotel. But uh, I didn't have that cool experience that you had with the grocery store until afterwards. Lori and I found the grocery store on the way home. But I guess one of the things that stands out in my mind was... Um, just jamming with all of the different groups and all the different crews. So I had one jam in particular that I think it was the entire Polish crew. So all the Polish players who were 
at FBA Worlds were in this one jam and I saw them off there off to the side and I thought, oh, I want to go jam with those guys. And I don't know, we were just really connecting. I connected with every person in that jam, I think, and we had a really, really good time. So it was just great to see uh, the Polish players really excelling and it was great to connect with them. I don't think I jammed with uh, any of them before that. So yeah, that was that was probably my favorite experience. What a cool experience. Yeah, it was definitely a cool experience. Uh, so you know, a couple other things that just stood out for me. Um, I watched, uh, or I really enjoyed watching Elena improve because she was there at EFO and then she was there at Worlds. And so we got to see her kind of starting at the very beginning of EFO and then all the way to the end of EFO. And she, you could see how hungry she is. She was practicing constantly. She was asking people for help and advice. And by the end of Worlds, she had improved significantly. So I just, I just love to see people improve and I love to see the hunger that she had. That was really great. Uh, and then just one other thing that really stood out for me was Daniel and Emma's mixed routine, especially in the semis. Man, that was just electrifying. I got goosebumps watching it. The, it was the combination of the skill and the, the the acting when they were they were the zombies. It was just like, oh, my God, really drew me in. So that was super cool. That's great. Those are two great shout outs for both of those. So uh, I concur wholeheartedly. Uh, so, well, with that, I just want to give one more shout out to Jay. Thank you very much, Jay, for uh, becoming a patron and extra thanks for your offer. Uh, if people don't remember, uh, if you become a patron within seven days of this episode airing, Jay will donate $50 extra. So now's your chance. If you've been on the fence, this is the time. That is so awesome. And you know what, Jake, on that note, I will talk to you next time. Talk to you next time, Randy. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Home to Haynesville, Shooting the Frisbees, and live streaming freestyle frisbee. Oh, yeah!